You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the message for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy. Well, we are week four in our Family Feud series, and uh, we got uh, family divided by feud. There's this dividing wall, and we're in the last third of the book of Genesis. We covered the first two-thirds over the last three years. Next year, we're going to jump into the book of Exodus, and I'm not sure how far we'll get. Uh, We'll have to plan that out. But uh, the Old Testament is foundational to what God is doing and and, uh, how he wants to bring restoration and healing. And in the last third of Genesis, we're looking at the family of Jacob and his boys and their families and the interactions and, and the drama that we see play out and the generational sin that, that takes place. And so uh, we're, like I said, we're in week four. Last week, we looked at Judah's life. And there's a story about Judah and his, and his uh, daughter-in-law, Tamar. And it seems like such a strange story. Why is it here? Because the rest of the narrative is about Joseph. So what's this Judah story? And, and, and why did the Holy Spirit think that we needed to hear about this here and now? Why couldn't we hear about this some other place in the scriptures? And so we wrestled through that and we saw that Judah was living out the same dysfunctional patterns that had been put on display before him, his dad, his, his, uh, his uncle, uh, other family members. And, and we saw three different dysfunctional patterns being played out and and we see that within our families. We see our kids do what we do. And we're like, oh man, don't do that. You know, please don't learn from me on those things. <laughs> learn from my mistakes and live something out more redemptively, right? But in the end of that story, Judah does something redemptive. He owns his mistake. He owns up. And that starts the redemptive cycle for this family. And so we're going to take a look at the next chapter, chapter 39. Let's, let's jump in. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. There was this strange interplay, like sometimes it's, uh, the Ishmaelites and sometimes it was the Midianites. Sometimes it's the Midianites. Well, who who bought whom and who sold whom and and you know why was Joseph in Egypt? Who's the real culprit, right? Who taken him down there? Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, and became his personal servant. 
and he made him overseer over his house and all they own he put in his charge. It came about that from the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all they own that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. You know what? When we work for people and God blesses us, it should flow into the lives of other people, regardless of their intent, whether they're willing to bless or honor God or not. Thus, the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned and in the house and in the field. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. And with him, there did not, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. I guess he was picky about his diet. Now, Joseph was handsome and in form and appearance looked very different than Rob. And it came about after these events, his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house and he has put all that he owns in my charge. There's no one greater in the house than I and he has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do this great evil and sin against God? Hang on to that statement. That is an amazing statement. As she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. Now it happened one day that he went into the house to do his work and none of the men in the household were there. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left her garment in her hand and fled and went outside. I'm picturing those, uh, those rip away sweats that the NBA players get. I always wanted a pair of those until I read this story. Now I don't. When she saw that he had left her garment in her hand and fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought a Hebrew to make sport of us. See, this is basketball, Antonia. He came to me to lie with me and I screamed. When he heard that, I raised my voice and screamed. He left his garments beside me and fled and went outside. Now she says, he left his garments beside me. So she left his garments beside her until her master came home, kind of like a trophy. Then she spoke with him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came to me and to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. I think the author wants us to know that she's changing the story. Right? Doesn't want us to forget that she is definitely changing the story. Like he, the author, the Holy Spirit's going out of his way to highlight that fact. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spoke to him, saying, This is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. I bet it did. So Joseph's master took him and put him into jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, 
he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him to prosper. Now, this story has these bookends. The Lord made Joseph to prosper. This is a prosperous story. We have to read this story from a perspective, uh, from the perspective that God is in this, that God is for Joseph 100% of the time. That's important. We'll get back to that thought. But I want to start off by asking the question, when else has Joseph been second in charge? Uh, Joseph even hinted to Potiphar's wife that he outranked her, right? No one in this house outranks me other than my master, he says. When else has Joseph had a problem with a family member? Whether it's his fault or someone else's fault, but maybe you could think of a story, maybe week one of this series, right? When else does Joseph lose his cloak, right? Taken from him. When else was his cloak used as false evidence? Uh, when else was there a goat and uh, a scapegoat? That one's harder to find. <laughs> you have to read between the lines. Uh, and that's a joke to our goat and cloak stories a couple weeks ago. Joseph's life is repeating. The patterns are repeating. Even when he's making better choices, the life, his, his story is repeating. And, and doesn't that happen a lot? Doesn't, haven't we experienced that? You know, uh, I get asked quite a bit from, from Dave, from Al, from others, hey, how's your week? Did you have any ER visits? Uh, the most common repetition within the Croyle family is ER visits. For some, it's, it's, uh, it's the failure of health or, or health concerns. For others, it's, it's, a, it's a coworker that just, you know, can't get their part of, you know, do their job and, and, and impacts their life. And it doesn't matter where they work, work for McDonald's and then the next week work for, you know, accounting firm. It doesn't matter wherever they go. They have this coworker seems to follow them or the storyline seems to follow them. We see these patterns in our life. And sometimes we can assume that when these patterns show up, when, when I'm sitting at the ER again, that God's not in that. That God has somehow left. That uh, God's angry at me. That God's mad that I'm in trouble. That I got to figure this out because if I don't figure this out, I'm going to be stuck in this cycle over and over and over again. And I seriously want out of this cycle. Remember last week, Judah faced a situation where he was confronted and, and Judah had his own patterns reemerging and he was confronted with something that he did and he made the redemptive choice. I think we see the same thing this week with Joseph. And we see some spiritual 
growth in, in Joseph. And by spiritual, I mean his, the, his God relationship is growing. See, in that first week, in that first story that, that Logan shared, Joseph bought, brought a bad report. Actually, that was my story. That was the second week. I forget. Logan uh, put together this series, so I, I, I give him all the credit and all the blame <laughs> at the same time. He gets all the credit. I'll take the blame. Uh, Joseph brought a bad report about his brothers, right? He, he's in charge. Somehow as a young man, he's, he's leading men that are much older than him. He's 17 years old. The text is very clear that he's 17. And yet he brings this bad report, this slanderous report. It's the same word for bad report that the, uh, um, that they brought, they, the spies brought back about the land. They brought back a bad report. And in this story, Joseph could have brought back a bad report because that seems to be his pattern. Like this is how he kind of warms himself up to, to the leader. Maybe you've met a person like that. Wherever they go, they bring bad reports about people and that's how they end up second command. So he could have brought a bad report about Potiphar's wife and he, and he doesn't do that. The other option was he could have given in. He could have given in to Potiphar's wife. And oftentimes we think that those are the two options, right? The catch 22. I got two bad options and I'm not sure which one to take. Joseph doesn't take either bad option. He takes a third option. He chooses true loyalty, even though he appeared to be disloyal. His loyalty was first and foremost with God, right? How could I do something that's evil in the sight of my God? He wasn't going to pick Potiphar or his wife. He chose God. He chose God. I actually have a friend, uh, he's a pastor, and uh, his board has brought a bad report. And I don't believe that bad report. And, and he's, he's got two options given to him. Resign or make the board resign. Or stay and fight it. Like, there's this third option, right? Um, he's decided to trust the Lord and, and resign him and let the congregation decide what they're going to do. He wants to honor, he wants to be loyal, even though he may be appearing disloyal. Joseph chooses authentic loyalty despite the consequences. Now, we mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, maybe last week, uh, that there's, oftentimes there's patterns within Genesis. And sometimes it's hard to see those patterns in our English translations. There's a pattern in this story that shows up nine times. 
It shows up nine times. And I want to show you this pattern. Um, I've got it underlined in my notes as I read it to you. I could tell where this pattern showed up, but I didn't highlight it to you then. What I'm going to do is um, take you through these nine texts in order so that you could see um, quite literally in Hebrew what's being said here. Okay? So the first statement is this. Um, they, uh, Potiphar bought Joseph from the hand of the Ishmaelites. He bought Joseph from the, from the hand, quite literally from the yod. Yod is the Hebrew word for hand. And the Lord caused all they did to prosper in his hand. And therefore Potiphar put everything in his hand. And the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned uh, that was in Joseph's hand. And then Joseph says, my master does not concern for all that is in my hand. And then his garment was left in her hand. And she saw that he had left his garment in her hand. And then the prisoners were committed into Joseph's hand. And he did not supervise anything in Joseph's hand. So there's some patterns, you know, or our translators, they're not, they're not doing a bad job. They're not doing a wrong, they're not doing the wrong thing. Like something, you know, in his charge, under his control, under his authority, like these, like this is a euphemism and, and yep, that's what that means. But, but when we miss that, that, that pattern, like, doesn't this tell a story? Doesn't this tell a story? In fact, if we go to the next slide, uh, right in the middle Joseph says, my master does not concern anything that is in my hand. But then Joseph goes on to give credit to the reason why Potiphar doesn't concern himself with anything that's in his hand. It's because, it's because of God. It's because of the Lord. So Joseph knows that God is in this. Now, sometimes... Many times, most of the time, we'll recognize that God is in the blessings, the good things, right? The, yeah, the bonuses, the, the extra paycheck, the, the new grandchild, the, you know, whatever amazing thing, the, the extra low price that we paid on the new car, I don't know. Like, like when God shows up, when God answers prayers and it's positive, we're like, absolutely, God is in this. But the Holy Spirit, I think, is trying to tell us that God is even in the hard things. God is even in the hard things, even when we're being wrongfully accused. God is in that. Uh, you guys know, most of us in the room know, um, you may be aware uh, Mission Ridge Church, this has not been the amazing success that we thought, you know, like this was going to explode. This was going to grow big and fast and furious. And then we lose a pastor 
and then we go through COVID and, you know, sometimes Logan and I see a set of circumstances come around the corner and we're like, oh, we've been here before. <laughs> repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> Is that how that goes? <laughs> and honestly, like we both wrestled. You've probably heard us from our sermons. We've wrestled like, God, are you in this? God, are you in this? Uh, I want to say unequivocally, unequivocally to you guys that, that Logan and I have wrestled in particular for this last month. And, and, uh, and we know that we're, we're called here. We are called to be here. We're called to be part of this community. We're, part, we're called to pastor you and to partner with you. And, and until God calls us someplace else, we're here. And so I know you, like you guys have wrestled, you guys have had some questions too. Like we could see it in your eyes. It's probably like you could see it in our eyes sometimes. We're here. God's in this. We trust, we trust what we're doing is the right thing to be, the right things to be doing that, that, uh, we, we trust in the vision and mission and we trust in you guys. And, you know, t- Tony's testimony to us last week during announcements was awesome. What a great encouragement. God is in the little things and he's working. But you know what? There, about a quarter of the people that are connected to Mission Ridge, we're praying for them to say yes to Christ. I love that. I love that. I'm looking forward to baptizing so many people. And if you want to get baptized next week, even if you've been baptized before, I just need to practice. <laughs> Wes and Jeannie know, like, we were used to baptizing people on the regular, right? That's been my experience since going to, you know, my parents started going to Pulse Falls Real Life whew, 20 plus years ago. And we baptize people in Pulse Falls, and then I went to Coeur d'Alene, and then Moscow, everywhere I've gone, baptism after baptism after baptism. So um, you may think you're swim- swimming next week. I think we're baptizing this. <laughs> Guys, seven times that in his hand spoke of God's blessing. What about the other two times? What about in the hard seasons? What about in the hard things? What about in the accusations? What about when someone is against you? Do you still see that that is part of God's providence for you? Joseph made his choice of authentic loyalty because he knew he was in God's hand. He knew that God had him. And I know that God has us as a church. So, some implications. Number one, even even when you're not there to see it, God is always at work. Even when you can't see it, God is always at work. Let's think about this story because we've got some we got some folks that have 
the kids that live far away. Let's think of this story from, from Jacob's perspective. He doesn't even know that Joseph is alive. At this same time, Judah, in last week's story, he's estranged from the family. So there's two kids that are estranged from the family. One is assumed to be dead. The other, who knows? In our care group this last week, we talked about the number of experiences that we've had just as a small community of people that were meeting that day. Estrangement of a family member, that's a, that's a common experience. God is at work, even when you can't see it. God is always at work. God is always at work. God is doing his redemptive work. Don't lose hope. Get on your knees. Keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep shaking the gates of heaven. Keep approaching the throne of grace in our time of need. God is always at work, even if you can't see it. Implication number two. When you find yourself separated from community... Continue to honor God. We see Joseph do that. And that's the redemptive part of this story. Like Joseph could revert it back to old habits of bringing back a bad report. When we go on vacation, when we're in a new work environment, even when we're surfing the web and no one's there. When you're separated from community for whatever reason, it seems to me that people, when they get off track, it's when they, when they, when they uh, start having new friends, they, they move to another town, they leave that community. Um, the temptation when I was a young man was when I was in the military and I'd go on my military deployments and, and my entire community was left behind. And I was out there with a whole new group of people that I'd never see again, I thought. But I always knew that my God sees me wherever I am. I always knew that God was with me no matter where I landed. And that is what kept me on the path of honoring him because I knew he was with me no matter what. And that's what Joseph chose. And that's fantastic. Number three, when you find yourself facing repeated conflict, your present choice can redeem your past mistakes. Sometimes we feel like our, our, all those choices, they, they add up and they will always tell a certain story about us. But the reality is, is that our present choices is what God cares about. And this is another redemptive story within Jacob's family. This is, this is God's people. And it looks like, you know, all the wheels have come off the bus, both both last week and this week, like these are big moments. This 
this thing that, that God starts with, with, with Abraham almost failed through Jacob and his, and his offspring, right? Like this part of Genesis is so messy. Like, like we talked about rape. We talked about, we talked about all kinds of things that, you know, at least PG-13. We talked about, you know, selling brother to, you know, to a band of traitors. We have this story here. Joseph running off naked. That doesn't sound good, does it? That doesn't usually end well. When you find yourself separated from, sorry, when you find yourself facing repeated conflict, your present choice can redeem your past mistake. Rabbi David Foreman says this, do we get a chance, a second chance in our own lives? Does God give us these sorts of opportunities too? Do we sometimes find ourselves locked in what seems our own prison of time only to discover years later that that prison was the, was less of a prison than an opportunity that we've been given the chance to fix something? God loves us so much. And he is about putting families back together. I'm, I'm so passionate about this because of what I saw God do with, with my mom, my dad, my brother, and I. We honestly tried hard to run from God, the four of us. We were pretty good at it too. Very effective. And God chased after my family. Well, through me, I, six years old, I came to Christ at a little Baptist church in Post Falls on Spokane Street. You may have driven by there a time or two. It looks exactly the same 40-some years later. Um, God absolutely pursued us. And I started going back to church uh, in my teens, late teens, early 20s, after I drank my way out of college. Uh, my dad was a full-blown alcoholic at that point, but he started going to AA and, and people were talking about their coffee mugs as being their higher power. My dad's like, that's ridiculous. Why wouldn't you just use Jesus? And he couldn't believe the words coming out of his own mouth. <laughs> and, and so I know God is in the business of putting families back together. And I know we've got some families right now that, that it seems like there's, no way that God could ever redeem that story. Yes, he can. Even if you're not there, even if you can't see it. Your choices can make a difference. Number four, when you make good choices, you may still experience bad. Making good choices doesn't mean that all of your experiences will be good you may still experience bad trust that God has not left you. Trust that God's still in this. Trust that God's still for you. Jesus was asked, 
Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but so that the works of God might be displayed in him. God can use whatever your circumstances, whatever jail, whatever pit you find yourself in, God can redeem you from there and he could change your story and your family's story from there. The things that limit us are nothing compared to a God that spoke the universe into existence. We trust him. We trust that. We trust that for your family. We trust those, trust this for those who are estranged from you, from those that seem about as far from God as possible. We trust that God is at work and he's got this. We're going to pass out the communion elements. And I just ask you to consider how you identify with this story. How do you Identify with Joseph. Are you in a place right now where you wonder if God sees you? Do you wonder if God's left you? Do you wonder if God cares? Do you think, man, is God mad at me? Or maybe there's a family member that you, you haven't talked to. They, you don't have touch with them. You have no idea what's going on in their life, but it didn't look good the last time you saw them. It didn't look promising. Maybe the last conversation you had with that person robbed you of all hope that this will ever change. The gospel changes story after story after story. And maybe you have given up hope and hoping and even just praying about it and even talking to God about it. Maybe this is the time to reconnect with God on this conversation. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come say hello. For more information about Mission Ridge, connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or online at missionridge.church. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.